I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Going Offsides, presented by the Lacrosse Collective on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Coach, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. What's going on, Coach? How's life? Life is good, man. Can't complain. That's it. If you're getting settled in, dealing with the madness, getting caught up on everything. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to say the least. But you're home. You're back. You're back to your old stomping ground. So that's gotta back be nice. Home. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is nice. It's, it's a change. It's it's a change. It's an it's an adjustment. Um, mm-hmm. but it's a welcome change. You know, like I, I've been in Miami the last fifteen years, and so yeah. um, it's a little different. Um, but I I think I was ready for something a little slower and mm-hmm. more relaxed. And and what could be slower than being a coach with no team right now? <laughs> oh man. Well, <laughs> do you want? Actually, I shouldn't say that. That's that's unfair. I have a team. Um, right. We're just not together. I was going to say, do you want to start with that and kind of, I mean, perfect transition. Where are you going to go with it, man? Yeah, yeah. How So that decision, obviously COVID is, it's doing weird stuff all over the country. So uh, the decision's already been made to basically suspend activities this spring sure. at Hampton. So from the time you get to the, you know, you get the news from your your administration, how do you tell your team? Like, do you, did you call a big meeting? You know, you can't call a big meeting, right? Did you call a big zoom and say, Hey, yeah, we, um, so it's funny. Cause I kind of, I, I had a feeling it was going to happen just from the, you know, the meetings that I was in and, um, but they sort of heard before me. So they kind of, they put it out in our group chat. I was like, well, let's, let's ease up. You know, we don't, we don't really know yet. And, uh, I mean, it was probably 30 minutes later that the official word got out. Cause I guess, I, I don't know, it went out to somebody. And so it started spreading around. Okay. And so I think some of them heard it from, you know, a couple other athletes or whoever. And, um, and then, yeah. And then I got an email and I was actually on campus cleaning out our locker room. Okay. Uh, just, just Holy by ready. chance, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go in there, organize this, get everything swept and mopped. And, uh, and like halfway through the text started flying around. So, um, you know, it was, it, 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 we had to talk about it. Um, there were some guys that were disappointed, especially the seniors. Um, there wasn't, a, there, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. So mm-hmm. it's about how quickly, you know, and that's what sports teaches us, right? It's like, how quickly can we change our perspective on this? How can we get ourselves on the right path and figure out what this means for us right now, what it means for us going forward, and, and then what, what do we do to make positives out of this? And so we talked about it for a little while. Um, I was far more concerned with the seniors uh, than, than anybody else. I think everybody else is obviously, um, it affects them. Um, but I think the biggest thing for the rest of the team is, you know, how do you take this and commit yourself to the long term, right? Like, this is a, this is a gut check time. This, this is like, Hey, now you have another nine months or however long it is before you're going to be on campus. How badly do you want to be a part of this team? Right? Like we're in tryout mode right now. How badly do you want to be a part of this team? How badly do you want to be successful? How badly do you want this group to be successful? 
because it's very easy to slide into like i got nine months i'm gonna chill Mm -hmm. but but is that gonna help you is that gonna guarantee you a spot is that gonna guarantee that we're gonna be as successful as we possibly can be so it's really about changing the attitude changing the perspective and that's all in line with what we've been trying to do from the very beginning of this anyway okay I mean, yeah, it's so, gotta be tough oh, go I mean, because it's, it's, it's tough for everybody, but you're brand new to the program. You're trying to yeah. develop culture. You're trying to develop a team that to be fair. And for, if, if anybody isn't familiar with, with Hampton's story has been playing, you know, a hybrid schedule, trying to kind of get caught up to the D one level, if that's a fair statement. Yeah. And so you have all that working against you. And then you throw this curveball in there. So how have you personally, I guess, kind of taken this and maybe what, what are the good, I, I do see some benefits if you really dig deep yeah. in, into this situation for you. So what, what benefits have you been able to pull out of this? Sure. Well, uh, let me, let me backtrack for a second. If you don't mind, I think yeah. it's important for, for everybody to understand because, um, you know, even I, as an, as an outsider and somebody that was uh, following the program for a while, but but not directly involved, um, there's some reasoning behind how the Hampton program has developed or, mm-hmm. you know, depending on your perspective, maybe not developed. Um, and, and again, the history of it, I, I won't spend a lot of time on it, but the history of basically a young man decided that, you know, he loved lacrosse and wanted to bring lacrosse to the school jumped through all the hoops and went through the process of getting it started as a club program and went home as a senior and passed away. Mm-hmm. His mom took over, you know, got the program going a few years later, that turns into a division one program. But um, at that point, the school and the administration could have said, Hey, we're going to, we're a division one program time to cut everybody, you know, and bring in a whole new crop and, and do this. They thought it was more important educationally right like ultimately this is an educational institution and they Mm -hmm. thought it was more important to allow those young men who were a part of creating the program a part of being you know bringing it to the point where it was to continue to have that experience Um, because it's something that they might not have gotten otherwise and it's something that they'll never forget Um, and some of those young men are already you know giving back to the program in, in terms of mentorship and um, just reaching out and supporting. So um, that was important. And, and, and that's a big piece of this. So now we've kind of cycled, cycled out of that part. Um, and we're into the new phase. And so for us, you know, I, I think under normal circumstances, you, you announce that you're going to, you know, you're going to have a division one program and move to, from club level to varsity level. Typically, you're going to take a year to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, that's kind of how I look at this. This is my year to focus in on recruiting, focus in on fundraising, um, work with the guys, kind of create culture and foundation and and build from there. So I, I'm not all that worried about not playing this year. Uh, I certainly would have loved to have the guys on campus this year, um, this spring at the very least, so that we could evaluate and see what we have and start building the actual you know X's and O's piece of this. Um, but ultimately, I think this is a positive for the program long term if we use it well. If, you know, th- this time has to be used efficiently and effectively. Uh, but I think it'll I think it'll be a positive for us. Yeah, and it's funny you, you kind of said it in the way that you said it. So I, I agree that there is a lot of 
positives in there. If, if you want to look at it that way, you know, I took over, a, we're, we're both high school coaches, Ryan and I, mm-hmm. I took over a new program last spring and we didn't, we got two days of practice in before it got canceled, right. but we also had only two seniors and we had like 16 freshmen. So there are yeah. some things that can be worked on with that. And then to your other point, Hampton, especially in lacrosse compared to what we're used to in the lacrosse community has kind of been this, I mean, this blank space of, of there's no info really coming out. So the, the way that you kind of describe that is perfect because we don't know that story. Right. Right. And, and I don't think it's ever been told in that detail. Now we've heard about how the program kind of came to be, but why it's structured, it's easy for guys like Ryan and I, to, you know, we, we talked about Hampton on our very first episode, actually, when the, when the job came open, we we're like, who's going to, who's going to take this yeah. over? Are they going to continue the program? We, we asked that because we weren't yeah. sure. And um, for you to, to talk about it like that, because, you know, in lacrosse, there's not a lot of secrets, <laughs> but there really was like, do we know anything about Hampton? Because we can sit yeah. here and talk about the schedule and be like, why are they doing that? But we don't yeah. know why. And it's great to hear why. Ryan? And, and as much as I followed it, I, you know, I still had those same questions as right. well. Like, why are we not moving forward? And part of that, you know, again, it comes back to the educational piece of it. But mm-hmm. I think the school is also like, hey, it doesn't make sense for us to go out and get trounced by 20 goals mm-hmm. every game. Like there has to be mm-hmm. some kind of positive here. There has to be something to live for. And and you know, when you're only on the lacrosse world side of it, that's easy to overlook. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You're like, well, we're used to, we're used to one type of way, right? Like we're only yeah, used to this. Exactly. Like with the Ivy league and they don't really have fall ball the way everybody else does. It's like, right. people don't think about it. And I mean, you played in it, but yeah. people don't think about it. Like, why is it structured like that? Well, because academics are actually first, they just happen to do a lot with less time than, yeah. than everybody else does. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit. I know you have a tremendous background in education. I know obviously at Brown, um, your major was educational studies, right? And um, you were teaching in Miami and everything like that and doing really well. Um, Now, like my question is, is that I was reading an article not too long ago that, you know, uh, for you, you were really comfortable where you were kind of at that point in your life down in Miami, coaching, teaching, doing that sort of thing. It's a great life. I mean, Nick and I are both teachers. I mean, I was in college lacrosse and got out of it to get into teaching because that was my background. Um, You know, I know I read that it you know, for you to jump into college lacrosse, it would have to be the right institution, the right time. Um, and, and I mean, you even alluded to Hampton being that institution. And I know that, you know, you kind of have some family ties to Hampton. Can you talk to talk to us a little bit more about, I mean, I've been to Hampton, you know, when I was at Lincoln Memorial, we played Hampton. So mm-hmm. it's a beautiful institution, beautiful location, has a ton to offer. I mean, it's one of those, you know, historically, um, wonderful institutions. So, I, I mean, talk to, talk to us a little bit about that and kind of your journey with how you, you, you know, this all came together. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting um, because it wasn't something that I was looking for. You mm-hmm. know, I think last year when they hired coach DeVoe, um, you know, I thought that was a great hire at the time. And um, I thought it was something that was going to be long-term. So mm-hmm. the first text I actually got about this was, Hey, are you going to give this another shot? And I didn't even know it was, I didn't even know the job was open. I had no idea what the text was about. And I was actually sitting on a Zoom or Google Hangouts call. Uh, it was like a faculty meeting. I was mm-hmm. sitting in the middle of a faculty meeting. I got this text. 
Um, but yeah, it is, it's like, again, without getting too carried away into the story, my, uh, my, my aunt and uncle went to Hampton University and that was and settled in Norfolk, Virginia. And that's in part why uh, my family ended up moving to Norfolk from California where I was born. And, um, and, uh, and, and I learned to play lacrosse at Norfolk Academy uh, you know, for some great coaches, but, um, I, I, that was, that was because my dad taught and coached there mm-hmm. and he just happened to get there because he was going to visit my aunt who was a professor at Virginia Wesleyan next door to Norfolk Academy. Saw yep. some guys throwing the ball around, you know, and here we are, however many years later, 30 some years later. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to me that Hampton, played a role in me learning lacrosse at Norfolk Academy. And then now to come back to Hampton to be the head coach there is pretty cool. But like you said, it had to be the right place and the right time. And, um, and to your point, I was very happy, you know, doing what I did. I love teaching kids. I love working with kids. Um, PE, which, which I never thought I would teach. I always thought Mm -hmm. I'd be a classroom teacher. Um, But PE, I realized gave me, uh, let me, let me rephrase that. When I left the classroom, I realized like there were certain things as much as I love education, I don't enjoy grading papers. I don't enjoy <laughs> like and any of that stuff, like any of the extra stuff. It, yeah. it just wasn't for me. And I, I loved actually teaching and I loved being around kids, but I hated the busy work part of it. And um, but I never saw myself as a PE teacher. I just never thought that's what I would go do. Um, but I realized my talents were better served outside of the classroom. And I knew like from the time I stepped away from the classroom all the way until I got back into teaching PE, I knew that's, I I knew I had to be outside of a classroom to have the impact that I wanted to have. And so all of a sudden this opportunity popped up and, and it was perfect. And, you know, especially living in Miami, going to work in shorts and a t-shirt every day. And like, like I was good. I was golden. Um, and college lacrosse was just not really as, you know, there's something to be said for being able to show up and just coach. There's yeah. something for being, being, there's something to be said for being able to, um, you know, see that light bulb moment and, and help kids really just develop into, they're not even, some of them, in fact, most of the kids that I coached weren't ever trying to play in college. They just yep. wanted to be good lacrosse players. Um, and there was something pure about it and something fun about it. And I loved that part of it. And then you add the competition in there, right? Like we're all athletes or former athletes. And um, so it was exactly what I enjoyed doing. Um, but I was at a point where I was looking for a challenge. I was looking for a, a new challenge. And, um, and I always said, like, I, I didn't want to go into the college level unless it was somewhere that I wanted to be in somewhere that would allow me to grow a program the way I wanted to grow it. And I think that's the opportunity that I'm afforded here. And certainly being at an HBCU around being able to work with a bunch of young black men, I, I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful place, ton of history. And, and I mean, it, it just it speaks to what you're saying. So, sure. I mean, kind of a follow-up to that. Now, you know, we talked about what brought you there. So, you make the decision. Okay. This is where I want to be. This is what I'm going to do. Okay. You, you, you get the job in the middle of, you know, this, 
this situation sure. and we'll just call it this situation that we're all <laughs> dealing with. Right. It's just, you yeah. know, um, obviously the NCAA puts some, you know, th- there are some limitations on what we can do from a recruiting standpoint, everything yeah. like that. So you get the job, you're doing it. What's the first thing that, you, and this is probably what a lot of people who are, you know, might be listening and they're going to say, you know, what's the first thing that you do when, when you, you, you say to yourself, all right, I'm now the head coach here at Hampton university. What's the first thing you do? Yeah. Well, I I think it actually started before that it started because one thing I knew was that, you know, and and this is true regardless of the, the, the school you're at, right. Mm -hmm. You have to recruit and you have to raise funds. Yep. Doesn't matter where you are. You can be at uh, Hampton, you can be at Rutgers, you can be at Syracuse, Virginia, Brown, wherever you got to raise funds. So some of the conversations I had before even deciding to take the job were um, about fundraising and with um, not just potential donors, but people that could really help me go out and get money. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was sort of the the first priority. I was like, hey, if I'm going to do this, I have to have the right team behind me. And that team, you know, has nothing to do with on-field X's and O's. It's it's the people that you don't see. Yep. And um, and so I had a lot of those conversations, and I and I realized that I had the support, um, and I had people that wanted to support the program. So that was the first thing. Um, then the next thing was really just finding kids, like digging in and finding as many kids as I possibly could, um, because that twenty-one class, right? They've already been recruited they've been being recruited for a year or two years already yep um and and then on top of that we weren't going to be able to go out and see them um so it it did put us in a tricky position and um you know i i wish i had been able to capitalize on that a little bit more um but those are the cards we're dealt so we're we're still actively recruiting 21s we're still recruiting 22s and you know we're all over we're we're developing our 23 24 list yeah. um and, and that's always going to be the case no matter where it is so the, the the job there's really no day off because yeah no matter what you're always thinking about it mm-hmm. uh, you know and even right now like x's and those are the furthest thing from my mind but i'm always thinking about recruiting there's, yeah. there's never a moment where like i i probably to a fault or maybe not to a fault i'm i'm new to it but um you know, if I'm not recruiting, I, I feel like I'm, I'm missing out. Like, right. Um, but that was it. I mean, to your point, it, it was about fundraising and, um, and making sure there was a support network and uh, both for the program and for our guys. One of the other things that I wanted to institute immediately, um, and we're still building it out right now, but was a mentoring program. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure every one of our players had an alumni mentor uh, and a career mentor. Um because that to me is one, it's a selling point, right? Like this isn't just about what happens on the field from, you know, January to May. It's also about what happens throughout the course of four years and the really over the course of 40 years, right? Is this, are are we developing a program that guys are going to be happy to come back to? Are we developing a program that guys are going to want to support after they graduate? Um, And are they going to be happy with their experience? I think, one of the things that, that makes a program great is, can you look at the guy that was number, you know, 20, 25 in the depth chart, a guy that's not playing much, that doesn't play much for four years, 
is he happy that he that he spent his four years going through that whole process because mm-hmm. it's a lot right and and if you graduate and you're like man this was a waste of my time well that that doesn't speak well for the program right is yep. we've got to be able to serve number one through 30 35 mm-hmm. 40 however many guys we have okay so um so we we are f- focused on that part as well absolutely so you're doing what i would say a handful of people have ever tried to do and that's recruit to an hbcu in lacrosse right the list is small how and we can't even relate how can you or how have you kind of attacked recruiting with that in mind because it's not you know it's not yeah the typical lacrosse pitch right it's very it's very I'm, i'm trying to think of the perfect word for it but it's very specific it, it is very specific, but it's it's not. Um, to your point, you actually, we do try to keep it about the lacrosse, mm-hmm. right? Um, as best we can, we because it is it's it's going to school, mm-hmm. and it's playing lacrosse, right? In in theory, it has nothing to do with whether it's an HBCU or anything mm-hmm. else, right? Um, predominantly white institutions routinely are still able to, to recruit young black men to mm-hmm. those places without having to sell them on why they should be able to go to a pr- predominantly white institution, mm-hmm. right? Regardless of the percentages, the numbers, whatever. And, and that should be the same thing here. So we do have to focus on, hey, we're building a lacrosse program, right? That's why we're recruiting you. We want you to be a great lacrosse player. We think you're a great lacrosse player and, we, and, and we're, um, you know, and we're trying to build a program that is mm-hmm. as competitive as any other program in the country. Um, and, and so we do want to focus on that part of it. Um, the HBCU piece does come into play a little bit because it's not for everybody. And, and that's fine. And, and what I've tried to do is not fight that, right? Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. that experience is not for you, I don't want to try to fight and fight and sell you on it. Um, you know, and some people have to be sold a little bit. That's fine. But if you know it's not for you, then what good does it do to, for me to spend the energy trying to mm-hmm. trying to convince you that it is, right? Like, one, I'm going to be beating my head into a wall. Or two, you're going to get here and, and not enjoy it as you thought you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and then it's a waste of both of our time. So I, I don't want to say we're like um we're ignoring that piece of it Mm. Um, but if that if that part is too much um if you have to be sold too much on that then then this this isn't the place for you are Um, you do you find yourself and i'm trying to put myself in your shoes do you find yourself more selling or informing because i feel like a lot of people are misinformed going into that yeah i mean i i think in fairness, we have a lot of non-black players that reach out to us, a whole lot. Good. Um, that, is a, that is a question I was going to ask because I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that white high school players know that Hampton is an option for them. So I, I also think there are a handful of white high school players that don't know Hampton is, a, in a, is an HBCU either. Uh, mm-hmm. We do get we get some emails every now and then, and you just read them, and you're like, this guy has no idea what <laughs> what this school is like um you know and and 
because a lot of them are just form letters, right? Copy mm-hmm. and paste it yep. as many coaches as I possibly can see what sticks. Um, and I get it. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it is more informing than selling. Um, and, it, and it's, and I think if you do the research, right, like it's, it's a great institution. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's just like, again, the same way I would talk about Brown, like I could talk about mm-hmm. Brown forever in a day, mm-hmm. but it's not for everybody. Yep. And if it's not, so be it, you know, and, and I've done that from a, the standpoint of, you know, a, a graduate of the school. And I've done it from the standpoint of just, you know, talking to guys about different college experiences. And I mean, that's just the recruiting. I mean, that's just recruiting in itself. It's you're right. educating people like, you know, this is an, you're creating opportunities for young men to yeah. um, become the best version of themselves, use lacrosse as a vessel to get a degree and yeah. set themselves up for the future. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, in the root of it, it's it's no different than anybody else doing it at any other institution. I mean, every institution kind of has their things. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of sifting through that and making sure that it's the right fit for both parties. Right. Because at the end yeah. of the day, the last thing you want, you don't want is, you know, unhappy people because unhappy people, you know, they, they leave and they have negative exactly. they have negative experiences and it just goes to say like, you know, um, you know, the, the things that might be challenging for Hampton, you know, if you look down the road at Hampton, Sydney, which is an all male school, all male college, they're dealing with things. Um, you know, a lot of those schools, every school, you know, even the the service academies, like down the road, VMI, I mean, you know, they're, you know, they have, uh, challenges that even regular service academies don't, don't face because it's, it's a different type of institution. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, it sounds like you're off to the races and, and, you know, no day is off and, and you're probably burning the candle on both ends, man. Yeah. And I, I mean, that that's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome to hear all the good things that you're doing. I mean, it, it obviously, you know, I know it's, uh, it's rough with everything going on with, you know, the situation with COVID yeah. and everything like that. But, um, I mean, it's awesome to hear, you know, all of that stuff kind of like pivoting a little bit. Um, sure. let's talk about your time at Brown. I mean, obviously, sure. um, you know, you played for coach Nelson at Brown, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, was he the one who recruited you? Uh, yes and no. So I actually, he got there my senior year of high school. Okay. So coach lasagna began recruiting me. And okay. Then, uh, Coach Nelson, Coach Finley, Coach Fraley uh, finished up. Okay. Yeah. So, so how was that experience? Because I know you, you you mentioned it before. Like you like you could talk about Brown for hours, um, but it's not right. for everybody. And and I've heard from multiple sure. people that Brown, um, you know, it's different than other Ivy League schools. And I've been up there and I, I've seen Brown. Um, and I mean, it's a wonderful institution, obviously great education. Um, you know, talk a little bit about your time. What, what were some of the things during your recruiting process that, and even some of the other schools that might've been recruiting you, cause I'm, 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 I'm sure that, you know, you, you, you know, you were a sought after recruit. What were some of the other schools that might've been recruiting you? And ultimately what was it for you um, that um, kind of put Brown over the top and had you, you know, and, and that's why you went there. Yeah, sure. And, and, and allow me to pivot a little bit. And just to, to preface this, okay. I think Hampton is a, a, a similar place in mm-hmm. that um, the people that graduate from there, and, and I've found this just speaking to a lot of alumni so far, the people that graduate from Hampton loved their four year experience. And that's something that I really appreciate, because that's, that's how I felt about Brown, right? Like, 
the people that when you go there, if it's not for you, you leave. Yeah. And the people that stay there for years stay there because they loved it. And a lot of people go to Hampton because mm-hmm. they love it. The same as Brown. And it makes it and easy for you to get up and go to work every day. Cause when you're around it, people like that, it just gives you a great energy. There's a good buzz around everything. It exactly. makes it really, it, it, you're not going to work. Exactly. And that, that energy is real, right? Like, and that's, that's the one thing that I think we're missing out on right now with COVID mm-hmm. is like, yeah, we don't get to bring kids on and let them experience that energy. But if you speak to not just the alumni, but speak to the guys on the team that are, that have been there a year, two years, three years, they'll all tell you about that. Um, and so kind of to bring that back to the Brown piece, yeah, of it, that that's, that's what I really enjoy about it. Like Brown is not, And this is how I always explain it. And and obviously I'm a bit biased, but people will go to a Princeton or a Harvard or a Yale because it's the name Princeton, Harvard, Yale, Mm -hmm. right? It's, they're not necessarily going there to enjoy themselves. Like, I don't know too many people that are like, yo, Princeton is going to be fun, right? Like, (laughs) and maybe they are. Very first statement. But, but people go to Brown because they've been on campus and they're like, I love this place. Yeah. This is awesome. And, and it's true. I mean, that's why at at commencement, um, you know, commencement's as much about the the alumni as it is the graduates. Um, It's a, it's a whole huge party for lack of a better word. And and again, I'll I'll spare you all the details of it, but you get people from the class of, you know, 1930, whatever, that come back to celebrate the graduates of 2020, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, people in, in wheelchairs, you know, they can barely wave that are out there to celebrate this whole thing. Um, and so I love that part of it. From a recruiting standpoint, um, I was initially I got uh, a number of letters. Um, I was just thinking the other day, like how many more letters my brother actually got Um <laughs> And that's kind of a random side note, but I remember coming home from college or, or wherever I was at the time to the, I was already graduated and seeing a whole table full of letters. I was like, man, I never got this much. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I got a handful of letters. And I think what hurt me initially was my grades weren't phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and coming out of Virginia, um, you know, I wasn't, I don't know that I was a known quantity. Um, you know, it was, obviously pre YouTube, Instagram, social media, all that stuff. And um, so I I got a handful of looks, um, a handful of like serious looks when it came down to it. I took visits to Delaware and Georgetown, um, took visits to Brown, uh, Hofstra offered me, they wanted me to sign early. I did not want to sign early. Um, And that's kind of where that fell off. but yeah, I, I mean, th- those were those were my main looks. I had great visits at all of them. I, I think I had the most fun at Brown. Uh, Delaware and Georgetown were equally fun for different reasons. Um, Delaware, I went a homecoming weekend, okay. uh, which started off fun, but then everybody was dead by <laughs> the end of homecoming. So like, <laughs> we spent that night sitting in a dorm room, like staring at each other, talking. Um, uh, Georgetown was cool, uh, but ultimately for me, it came down to a handful of things. It came down to some people that I knew that were going mm-hmm. to Brown, including one of my, uh, high school teammates. Uh, the, the 
core curriculum or lack thereof, um, you know, which was huge for me because I wasn't, you know, like I said, I wasn't the most phenomenal student. So not having to take all these random classes that yeah. didn't me um, was important and being able to carve out my own kind of academic niche um, was cool. So I don't know okay. if I, I missed any yeah, of the questions. No, that's, no, that's awesome. Do you think like, you know, you said you weren't that great of a student, but obviously like, you know, you've kind of fallen in love with education. I mean, you were a teacher, yeah. but what you're doing right now is teaching. Do you think that curriculum at Brown was what helped you kind of like fall in love with education and really kind of take that next step for yeah. you as a student and as a potential mentor for people? Yeah. So yes and no, I, I there's no, no about it, but, um, but I kind of was on that path mm-hmm. prior to that. I, okay. I knew going into college that I wanted to do education. Okay. Um, I've got a lot of educators in my family, uh, even in my generation of my family. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then I also, my, my real love for, for education and mentoring and, and working with kids began in middle school okay. um, where we did, we used to have community service um, on Wednesdays throughout the year. So uh, in the first part of the year, I think it was like uh, our middle school is a junior high model. So seventh, eighth, mm-hmm. ninth, um, the ninth graders would do community service in the fall. Every Wednesday they would go out and there were, you know, however many different sites that students would go to. Um, but ninth grade, then eighth grade and then seventh grade. And I went to this school just by chance because I wanted to work with kids and um, and I ended up choosing to go to that same school three years in a row. And I actually worked with the exact same teacher three years in a row and, and really just fell in love with, you know, what that was all about and the opportunity to impact kids. Um, I don't have it here cause I'm not completely unpacked yet, but, uh, but I've got, I still have a book that they gave me and signed all the kids signed that I, uh, I used to see this book. It was a book of black poetry actually. Um, that every every time I went in the classroom, I, I browsed through it. And so uh, that third year, they all signed it and, and gave it to me as a gift. And, um, you know, and then when I got to college, uh, and I had obviously, you know, like I had spent time being a camp counselor. And so I had already done all this working with young people. Yep. Um, and then I got to college and I spent the first semester of my junior year in New York City um, teaching and, and taking some classes. And, and that was a phenomenal experience. Um, and I have a ton of stuff from, from that as well. And we actually developed a, a, a curriculum for choosing role models and setting goals. And, um, you know, so it was just this kind of gradually increasing um, love and infatuation with um, being able to impact people and young people in particular. Um, and so, you know, that, that kind of carried on. I got the opportunity to teach right out of college. I was a Teach for America Corps member. And mm-hmm. uh, then I stopped to be, you know, a lacrosse guy. And then mm-hmm. uh, gradually fell back into education. And there you go. We are. Well, that's a perfect segue again. So you, you graduated, you become a lacrosse guy. So I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up you had a, a stellar MLL, a stellar and long MLL career. And we could talk about that for hours as well, but I'll just ask you kind of a two-parter. Okay. One, what is one of the most memorable memories you have from your MLL career? And then the second part is how cool is it, you know, working down in Florida and the Florida launch becomes a thing 
and you get to kind of finish your career playing in Florida. So, I mean, go, go ahead. <laughs> I know you have probably uh, have many, many memorable memories. Yeah. There are a lot of, there are a lot of memories. Um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a ton of memories. I, I think really with my professional career, it boils down to moments and relationships, right? Like, I could choose a, a particular goal mm-hmm. that, you know, I could do that. Or I could talk about, you know, how in Ohio, especially the first year, um, you know, it was an, ex- I don't know if it was an expansion so much, but a new franchise. And, um, but it was just such a phenomenal group of guys. Mm-hmm. And, and I had been, I had been out for a couple of years cause I stopped and did that. I had been injured for, maybe two years. And you did the um, LXM pro, right? And then I did the LXM pro tour. So I kind of hadn't played a ton of pro lacrosse or MLL lacrosse for a little bit. And then came in, came back in 2012. And like I said, it was just such a great group of guys. And even though we didn't have a great season, it was enjoyable, like being around them and being every week was enjoyable. Um, LA playing out there, talk about a great group of guys that that was it in fact a handful of those guys were on that Ohio team mm-hmm. um, and so we kind of brought that same chemistry and energy to it um, but even just being able to travel out there you know seven weekends out of the summer was pretty fun was was um, was my old teammate from Adelphi West Green on the team when you were out there West Green was there <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, we won't I, I don't want to talk about any stories with that guy but Wes if, if, is a good dude man he's a great dude he's yeah. a, he's he's an interesting cat man does anybody know where he is right now man last time i heard he's he he's married in australia um he's kind of like a myth man he's like a he's like a mythical <laughs> he is a myth. i heard like um he had i you know there was like there was like a rumor that like he had almost he had like unfortunately like he almost died but he's alive from what i understand I mean, he's married me. no it doesn't <laughs> surprise me at all man oh my god that guy he's uh but he, if if great that's dude if that's true it probably involves him doing something that you know was crazy and he was probably laughing at it and yes no doubt um that, but he yeah, kind of just I mean, summed him up perfectly yeah right um <laughs> But that was, I mean, again, guys like that, right? It was just such a great locker room and we were treated so well. We were treated professionally. Um, It it was a really awesome experience. And then, you know, my MLL career is really where I was able to develop this platform or or where I was given this platform to impact people. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think has been really cool about it. I've I've met people, uh, whether, you know, it was just in, in a moment or at a game or whether they're relationships that have lasted or, you know, I was just on the phone yesterday for about uh, 45 minutes, maybe an hour uh, with a young man. He, I, he's in his twenties or something now um, who, who sort of started following me, you know, early in my MLL career and then reached out a couple of times on social media with just some questions that I answered. And then, um, it's kind of developed into this mentor-mentee relationship, you know, things like that um, that I that that I've been able to experience just through this game and through having had the platform from being a professional player. Um, that's what I really enjoy most about it, and and 
you know, just the fact that it's put me in a position to impact people really on, on a daily basis. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know if I could pick one moment. No, no, that's, memory, that's unrealistic. But, but there's a there's a bunch of moments and a bunch of relationships um, that have come from this. That's, I mean, I'm sure that's not a completely unique story, right? I feel like everybody that, especially in a league like the MLL, that is very unique in that yeah. people have to travel just to play in it and all the experiences that just go along with that. I mean, right. Um, when you did finish your career in Florida, was that the oh. first time where you didn't have to really get on a plane every week to play lacrosse? Yeah. So f- funny. I kind of, I missed that piece of it. Um, the Florida situation was interesting because I, I, so I talked about Ohio, came back 2012, played that year, 2013 played. We had a coaching change in the middle of it. Um, and my role on that team sort of changed after that coaching change, which was fine. That's part of the deal. Um, but 2014, I was kind of like, I was a little bit iffy um, because I was starting to feel it physically mm-hmm. a little more. And I was like, all right, well, do I want to, do I want to keep doing this? And, and, and I had heard the, the rumblings of Florida coming. So I was like, at this point, I think I, I only want to do it if I can play in Florida. And then, and then it happened and I got the call and I got there and you know, I don't know if you've ever seen me play or not, but mm-hmm. I have never played defense. Mm-hmm. And I ended up I, I I was put into the role of a defensive midfielder. <laughs> and I, I played two games and was not very good at it, go figure. And and that was it. Right. So like for the rest of the season, I think I played one more game because somebody missed their flight and they called me on like a Friday evening, like, hey, are you in town? Can you play? So um, I played three games, very limited runs in a position that I've never played. And then nobody called me the rest of the season. And then nobody called me in 15. And then nobody called me in 16. So I was effectively retired, but not of my own volition. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I was pretty much done with it. And then 17, and then I got a call December 16 from coach Mariano and he was like look um you know I think you can probably still play if you want to give it a shot come on out Um, he's like I'm not going to promise you anything and 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 that's what I needed I was like Mm -hmm. look I I I don't want to be promised anything and and if I don't make it I don't make it but I just want to have a fair shot at being able to do what I do and he gave me that shot and I had a I had a good training camp and and had a good year. In fact, it was one of only two where I actually played attack. Um, interestingly enough, so yeah, right? yeah. Um, that story doesn't get, that that story doesn't get told when people talk about Chaz Woodson playing pro lacrosse. Right. <laughs> so, um, but it, it but to your point, uh, I was excited about not traveling, but at the same time, it was it was a weird space because it was like 45 minutes to an hour away from where I was. Mm-hmm. So I, like if I'm that close to my bed, I want to stay in my bed. Yep. And so I, you know, it was like either I go and stay in a hotel and then it's not really like it's home or, um, you know, or I 
drive up an hour, drive up an hour back, then drive up another hour early in the morning for a walkthrough. And, you know, so it was kind of like, it was kind of like being home, but then not really. Mm. And, uh, but it was, but the cool part about it was all these kids that I coached and worked with, you know, were coming to games. And that was a little different experience for me than, than in the past. And I, I really enjoyed that part of it. How did that, how do you, you know, and, and this is kind of just an, another on top of that, how did that, did you see that, you know, having you played? Cause I know at that time too, you know, I don't, I don't remember if Doug Shanahan was doing it as well, but like those guys that had a home base in Florida that were playing for the launch, did mm-hmm. you kind of see like that growth specifically in South Florida? Cause like my brother coached in South Florida and the Fort Lauderdale area. And like, um, you know, when, when you had the opportunity to do that, the launch come in and obviously, you know, that last year you're playing, did you kind of see um, a growth, you know, from the game in that standpoint and, and kind of just maybe, you know, obviously the sport is growing, but kind of like maybe a shift in, you know, maybe how serious the people down there the took culture it. About it. Yeah. The culture about it. Um, that shift is, is it's gradual. Mm-hmm. So you don't see it as much in real time. Like it's easy to go to a launch game and be like, eh, there's not that many people here. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, but the people that were there are into it. And there were more people, or at least it seemed like it in 17 than there were in 14. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and then there's other factors, right? Like the, the weather and, yep. you know, it's storming. People aren't going to go out. Um, but, and, and it's, it was close to the, the, it was closer to the lacrosse community, I think, than it would have been in, uh, you know, if they were playing in Miami, for example. Mm-hmm. I think the better place probably would have been Orlando. And, and I think at yeah, that you're probably... point, yeah, I, I think you would have seen, I think, I, I think the growth and the culture would have been a little more visible yeah. just from a, the standpoint of, you know, relating to a professional team. Um, but it's such a gradual thing that you kind of have to step back and look at it mm-hmm. like where the lacrosse culture is now from where I was when I got into Florida 15 years ago night and day yeah absolutely but on a year-to-year basis it's very easy to say you know this it's it's not here yet mm-hmm. and it'll get there but it, it, it's not quite where it needs to be okay so I think this is probably I mean there are a lot of untold stories that you're kind of opening up about Hampton about you know, MLL and, and your career, but I think this one is especially important to you. Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe, I don't want to say seven years ago, because it just doesn't seem right in my head, but a while ago, you helped create or created the Sankofa Lacrosse Alliance. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm dying to know more about how that came to be, who was kind of like involved at the beginning of it. And then I know right now U.S. Lacrosse—it's—it's it's kind of a combined effort in, in many ways. So maybe yeah. you can kind of explain it and just—just just kind of—I—I I don't want to do it a disservice by saying an elevator pitch, but kind of give the people, you know, if they have no clue what it is. Yeah. So it's interesting how it how it has developed and transitioned and then fizzled out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Initially, there was a, and, and there's actually a, a longer backstory that, that I'll, I'll spare you of, um, but there was an, another effort to do kind of what we were trying to do before us. And when I say us, 
um, Kyle Harrison and I kind of really mm -hmm. launched the Sankofa Lacrosse Alliance. Now, um, our purpose, or, or we've been working with a couple other guys to, to do some, some other similar projects and they, they kind of fell off, but we were at a point in our careers, you know, 2011, 12, 13, where we're like, Hey, we've got this momentum. We're established. We, we need to get some things going. And, um, and the effort was to bridge the gap um, within primarily in the black lacrosse community, um, geographically and generationally, right? Like if you look back um, and think back to just what you've heard, you, you hear Jim Brown, then all of a sudden it jumped to like Kyle Harrison. Yeah. Right? John yeah. Christmas, Kyle Harrison. And there's so many people in between that, right? Yeah, like, like Ricky so many... Soul, Al Ray, yeah, Rutgers. Exactly. And I played for Al Ray in high school. And like, it's a shame that nobody knows who Al Ray is and like right. just how phenomenal of an athlete he was. I mean, the guy won, the, the guy was the, the athlete of the year at Rutgers. Right. I mean, and nobody talks about him. Right. Um, and you know, sorry, I had to adjust this ball that I'm sitting on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know if you know Fred Opie. Yep. Uh, Syracuse Pole, right? Uh, yeah, and and a historian of the game, a historian yep. in general. Um, Dr. Fred Opie. Dr. Fred Opie. If you ever get a chance to bring him on here, he's phenomenal. I've listened to I've listened yeah. to some of his talks and things like that. Yeah. Such a such a brilliant man. Yeah. Um. You know, and and so if you talk to him, he, he'll give you name after name after name after name and accolade, etc. Um. But there's there's that there's that gap, right? And and so we wanted to bridge that gap, gap ge geographically, generationally, um, and really begin to kind of promote and support the Black Lacrosse community. Um, and so that's sort of what what was born out of it. And um, and we had bigger plans for it, um, you know. And there were a lot of guys involved in it, but kind of we we were very calculated, perhaps overly calculated. Um, and overly um, cautious about it all and because our names are attached to it. So we, we wanted to make sure whatever we did, we did it the right way. And at it, because it was two of us and, and our schedules are crazy, especially Kyle's, mm -hmm. it, it, it kind of slowed down. And um, what ultimately happened, at least for me, um, was that as Nation United came about, um, that sort of took the place because that's that's the type of thing that we wanted to develop mm -hmm. long term and so as that kind of to me it's like it doesn't matter um what the name is as long as the work's getting done yep and and when i had the opportunity to kind of jump on board with uh tommy stallworth and brian dawson and jeremy and um you know Tom, uh, troy and all those those guys that it the work was being done so the foundation or the the alliance, which was renamed the foundation, um, sort of became, um, and that was under my name. It became more of just my nonprofit work that I was mm -hmm. doing, you know, just kind of here and there. And so that ultimately began uh, a, a partnership with U.S. Lacrosse and, and creating the Sankofa Clinics. And so that's sort of where that lies now. Um, mm -hmm. The work that we intended to get to kind of lies with nation united okay 
Another and for those that don't know Nation yeah. United, Nation United's a, a, a national level club program that is, uh, you know, that uses elite level competition to, to, to create diverse or to, to showcase and inspire diversity. Um, and I think we've done a really great job over the last four years, five years. And, um, you know, it's still going. The Nation United Foundation was launched not long ago, um, you know, doing some real grassroots work in the sport, um, not just from a, a development level on the field, but also a support level and a diversity level. So. I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I'm not very, I live in the Midwest, so I'm kind of in a bubble as well from elite lacrosse sometimes. So yeah, I get it. It's <laughs> one of those things where it's like, if you don't hear about it mm -hmm. um, or if you don't see it at a high level tournament, you're not going to know about it. Right. And that's, you know, hopefully we can help with that by talking to people and telling stories. Um, I, I think it, it's crazy to me too, how, You've had one of, I, I was just pulling something up to check something and I was like, holy cow, you've really been since I've been alive in every single aspect of lacrosse between the LXM Pro Tour, you could tell a story about pretty much anything I'd be interested in hearing about between the tour and, you know, that the whole, the whole idea behind it and who was behind it and, and I do want to get those guys on the show at some point and yeah. your MLL career, you're, you're a teacher, you were a teacher, just like, you know, we are right now. You've done all the nonprofit work. You're a D one coach. I mean, you might be secretly the most interesting man in lacrosse when you think about it. <laughs> it's kind of weird to actually listen to all that because it's, you know, I was just telling somebody the other day. Um, I sometimes feel like I get credit for things that I haven't really done because people think I'm doing it. Um, but then I also realize, you know, again, when you step back, you're able to pull yourself out of it. You know, there's also a lot of work that I have been doing, but I, I don't consider it work because it's mm -hmm. just stuff that I enjoy doing. And, mm -hmm. and so I think sometimes, you know, hearing people talk about it, I'm like, wow, I have done that or I have done this or, um, so yeah, it's, I don't know that I would say I'm the most interesting person in lacrosse, but, uh, but yeah, I, I you have had an interesting game. experience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it kind of goes, it kind of goes to what you're saying. Like, you're like, oh, you know, you don't, you don't realize this stuff, but I mean, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, you, you know, we're, we're not naive to everything that's going on in the country. You know, it's like, what's the one thing that everybody kind of needs to do? Like, don't just talk about it, be about it. And right. like, you, you probably don't notice what it is that you're doing because that's what you're about. That's who you are as a person. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's awesome. I mean, man, and you're, you're, you know, it's, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're sparking a lot of change and you're doing a lot of good for the sport on so many different levels. I think it's awesome. Um, and it's it. something that, that we all need and that, you know, everybody really does need to pay attention to. And I think, you know, in, in some, you know, I don't want to say in a small way, cause that's poor, poor terminology, but you know, people are paying attention. And I think it's, you know, we're kind of like at that point where so many things are coming together and obviously everything that was going on with the world games and the Haudenosaunee and kind of everything that's going yeah. on. It's like a pivotal moment and a pivotal time for our sport to where we can kind of see it take that next jump into into the next level in terms yeah. of inclusion, in terms of getting to all these different uh, communities and really kind of seeing growth from the sport. Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, I think what's really cool to me, um, and, and I've said it a couple of times to some of these guys in general or, or in person, I mean, um, but it's cool for, and I'm going to sound like the old head right now, but <laughs> you know, it's cool for me to see these young guys doing the work and, yep. and, and taking up that charge um, because it, it, it can wear on you. And, mm-hmm. and it is stuff that I feel like, you know, kind of low key under the radar I, I've been doing and some other people have been doing and plenty of people long before me were doing, um, you know, but, but now getting to see these guys that were, you know, in high school, middle school, whatever that, you know, that I know because I, I interacted with some of them uh, over the years that were, were paying attention to the things that we were doing and saying, um, you know, when we had our platform, uh, I think that's really cool. That's the coolest piece of it to me is just to, to be able to say, you know what, I can step back a little bit, and do some other things because I know these guys got it. Yeah. That's I, awesome. I listened to, to Kyle talk to on Paul's podcast and he was just saying that, you know, he's just kind of tired, you yeah. know, it's, it's a lot of, I mean, like you said, you need the younger generation to kind of pick up the flag and, and keep going. And 38 in lacrosse, it doesn't seem like that much, but it's, it's a lot of work. And I think the biggest compliment I can pay to you is that you're very mission driven. So like this stuff doesn't seem like work. It, it's right. just something, it's just a part of who you are. Like this, these little projects aren't something you go out of your way and like try to invent. Like these are just things that you, you see need to be done and you just do them. And so I think that's why you might not see it that way in the moment, but thinking about it from the big picture, it it certainly seems that way. There you go, man. There we go. All right, Chaz. Well, we really appreciate your time and your story. And like I said, I think you're, if not the, one of the most interesting men in lacrosse. So we really appreciate your time and we look forward to seeing how Hampton grows under your uh, stewardship. Yeah. Best of luck with the rest of the year, man. Hope, hope recruiting is going well. And, um, give my guys from legacy and shore and waiting river a call. I'm sure they got a bunch of guys for you. Send them my way, man. Absolutely. You got Thanks it, fellas. I, I really appreciate the time. No this problem. Awesome. man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Right, have a good one. Have a great one.